Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to... Crikey, it's Wednesday morning already. Because we had the bank holiday, we've all got a bit, uh, a bit confused. There's a bit of an atmosphere outside tonight. I don't know why, but uh, as I came through Leicester Square earlier on at about... Um, quarter past... What time did I get here? About 20 past three, half past three, something like that. And uh, there were groups of people hanging around... And it didn't look particularly pleasant. You know when you sort of, you like to get to the front door as quick as possible and, uh, and just get inside. And I thought, a bit of an atmosphere. And there seems to be an unusual amount of people out on the streets. So hopefully they'll all go home. The, the one thing, as we said yesterday, is don't these people have homes to go to? Why do they want to hang around on the street? You know, years ago, if you were on the street, the police came out, what are you doing? You go, um, I'm just hanging around on the street. And they'd, they'd send you off with a flea in your ear. But uh, nevertheless, it's nice to have your company. What a day yesterday, that roller coaster of emotions for the wedding of the, uh, the woman whose husband was killed by the shark. And that was, that was really tragic. And, uh, and 14 years ago, 14 years ago, Diana died. 14 years... It does not seem possible, 14 years ago. And still, in fact, Noreen reminded me about this, 14 years ago it was. She said, I'll never forget that night. And I think you said you were out with Dan. You were trying to buy a paper. We did. That was that odd night. We'd been out for dinner. Must have been the Saturday night, mustn't it, I suppose. Been out for dinner somewhere. And as usual, we used to, on the way back, uh, we would call into Earl's Court because there was a 24-hour newspaper shop there. The man would have the papers and we'd pick up two sets of newspapers. And uh, I'd then go home, read my papers, have a cup of tea and go to bed. It was never that late. Never that late. You know, we'd sort of finish dinner by about 11, 12 o'clock, something like that, go 1 o'clock, pick up the papers. And I remember going into the newspaper shop, and um, half the papers weren't there. And I remember saying to the bloke, have, have you got the, the rest of the papers? He said, no, they're, they're late this morning. He said, there's something, something going on with, uh, with the Prince. I think he said, I can't remember, actually, for the life of me now, whether he said he thought there was something going on with the Princess of Wales, or whether he thought there was just something going on story-wise. Because whatever it was... It was it was late, and it was then that we were driving home that uh, that it started to unfold a little bit. And it was then, when I got in and put on the television, that you suddenly realised that there'd been an accident and something had happened involving her in a in a Paris tunnel. And uh, and I was I remember I was on the phone to down sort of phoning up saying, "Are you watching the television?" And then it came through in the in the uh, in the morning that in fact she had died. And that was when, bang, 14 years ago, the country did go into meltdown. It did absolutely go into meltdown. And then the conspiracy theories started. And, and they didn't just start. They seemed to run on LBC for every single programme. Every single person would come on and go, you know, apart from the huge support that she had in the country. And realising that she wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. You know, and you've got people who hated her and said she was manipulative. She was. She absolutely. She used to phone up the press and tell them where she was going to be. But then that's quite normal for people in the public eye. You do that anyway to make sure you get... Because you often wonder, don't you? So-and-so's here. Oh, look, there's a photographer. Well, how do they know? Because they've been told. They don't just trail these people around. They've got better things to do with their life. So, so when you see pictures of Cheryl Cole in the paper today, his agent... Or her, sorry, his agent. Her agent would have actually said, listen, she's on set of this movie. Uh, we can get you some good pictures. And that's what they do. And I was reading a story earlier on about uh, a famous person who was set up by the news of the world. He was set up to such an extent that he thinks they spiked his drinks. And it was the then editor, plus uh, the journalist, who were pretending to be somebody else. But they would spend, li- they had limitless money to spend on setting somebody up. You remember John Alford was set up by the fake sheikh, where they, he sort of was led to believe that he was dealing with a sheikh, whereas in fact he wasn't. 
he was dealing with Mazi Mahmoud, who was there, uh, known as the fake sheikh, and he actually set these people up, because once you shove a few drinks inside a few celebrities, it loosens their tongues, and they end up saying things. In this particular case, they, uh, they convinced this particular man... Uh, that they wanted to pay him half a million pounds. He thought they were from a big company in America and that they were looking for endorsements which could help something that he was doing at the time. And all they then did, he thinks, they, they spiked his drinks because the next thing he splashed all over the papers. And and that, it's entrapment. It's entrapment. Whichever way you look at it, he was led to believe he'd come there from another meeting, so he'd had a few sherbets anyway, but he was led to believe that the people he was talking to were genuine people from this company. In fact, they went so far as to put loads of this company's products out and had him posing next to them. It was only then that they was giving him champagne and all the rest of it, and it was then that he obviously started talking. But you ask most people who've had a few few drinks, in fact, anybody who was at Christo's Barbecue, and they will tell you they cannot remember anything at all of the conversation. Not a thing. You cannot... Somebody says to you, what were you talking about yesterday? I have no idea. I have no idea. If I was at a barbecue and we had a few sherbets, what, 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 what were you talking about? I don't know. Because, because, and also Christo's electric kept going, <laughs> his lecky kept going off. Oh, dear, is he on the metre still? A, there's nothing worse trying to find a 50p piece and you haven't got one. It's only a small bedsit, though, isn't it, really, I think. I like the idea of putting out the bin bags at the window, you know, just having them instead of curtains. I think he's, he's, he's very much hands-on in things like that. But he did have eight legs of lamb, apparently. <laughs> was it eight legs of lamb or whatever it was? But it had all gone by the time she got there, which is just as well, because she wouldn't have eaten it anyway. But that, that's what happens. People get set up by newspapers, and they don't realise. The journalist will sort of sit there quite, quite bra- blazingly with a little cassette recorder and go, off the record. But they've got another one underneath the table so that they can make sure they get the story. There's never anything off the record. It's like sort of telling a policeman something in confidence. They're duty-bound. They have to report something. In theory, it used to be the same with, with priests, didn't it? Where sort of priests were saying, you know, I'm, I really, if you tell me something... In conf- I thought that, that, that there was a dichotomy that came up, wasn't there? During somebody's confession, and they confessed to a murder. And the, and the priest wasn't sure whether she'd go, he, he should actually go and tell somebody about it. I think in the end, he didn't. I think in the end, he didn't. He just said somebody had confessed to a murder. But because of the confines of the confessional, I can't, I can't do anything about it. It's, it's said in, in confidence... It's like claiming sanctuary in a church, I suppose. But, uh, anyway, 84850, steve at uk. So the papers are full today of pictures of Cheryl Cole in her minuscule, tiny role. I mean, I promise you, she's playing an X-Factor judge. She's not starring in this movie. It, it, blink and you'll miss her. The story is about a couple who go on something like the X-Factor, and she's just one of the judges, and that's the best they can get her. They cannot get her. So it's, it's a bit... Sorry? It's... Um, I'm not sure if she speaks. I'm assuming... Why, well, yeah, okay. I mean, they'll have to dub her into American or something. They'll stick an American accent over the top of it. Esther Ranson, as revealed exclusively on this programme, was abused as a teenager. She's nearly identified the person in the mail today. She's described who he is. So I'm assuming people in the family would know who this uncle was. He worked in a, in a, in a gallery... And he was balding and had, uh, and had spectacles. I'm assuming as well that he's not, that he's not alive anymore... But uh, it's very interesting. And then, of course, we had the dreary Sally Burko turning up on the right stuff. Apparently, uh, she has let it slip because she's so desperate to be famous. Not Nothing to do with charity, this. For, for, you know, the charity bit's nice, very good, but forget about that. This is her way of launching herself. Her husband said to her, why don't you do a sponsored swim if you want to raise money for charity? And she said, I don't know anybody who would, who would give me £100,000. 
Well, I'm sure if you sort of let it be known among your friends in uh, Parliament, not that I think you've got any friends anymore, you know, they would sponsor tenner here, 20 quid there, like people do. You know, you could go on a Sally Burko just for giving, but you're so desperate to push yourself on the television. She said, she, she's now said uh, that she would love to do I'm a Celebrity or maybe Loose Women. I don't think we want to see you at all on television, love. Perhaps you haven't quite understood. You were kicked off first. You were kicked out because people don't like you. They didn't kick you out because they thought you were doing some good. They kicked you out because they don't like you. That's why people vote for people. Sorry? Yeah, the trouble is... She, I mean, but bec- presumably because she's got Max Clifford, he obviously got her the right stuff. So they sit around there. But the right stuff will stick anybody on. I mean, they, they really do. If, if they're, they're, they're looking for an audience, which they're not finding, unfortunately, at the moment. So they put her on there because they know that she's eminently available. Eminently available. Apparently, John Boko wants her to be Silent Sally. We all want her to be Silent Sally, because I've seen enough of her. She's not interesting enough uh, to be actually on the television. And I don't think she's even interesting enough to be on Loose Women. I've, I mean, even though... I mean, the people on there are people who've... Um, who've worked hard in the business. I don't think Sally Burko's done done anything at all. Really, I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't want to be rude about her in any way, shape or form, but she's so delusional. She's uh, she's just another one of life's little bores, I'm afraid. But as we were saying yesterday, we were t- strangely enough, we talked yesterday to Ulrika Johnson, who's got her first novel out, and um, she won I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And she said, what we're into now, she said, are people who are famous for nothing more than being famous. Drives her to distraction. Drives her absolutely mad. Should you turn on the television on Celebrity Big Brother? Should, you don't know who any of the people are. You don't know who anybody is on there. Sally Burko, what's your claim to fame? It's not her claim to fame. It's the husband's fame. Nobody's interested in Sally Burko. She's a dreary bore. You know, Jed would admittedly jump around and behave like funny little persons that they are. And then there's a story that they're going to America. Can't happen quick enough as far as I'm concerned. They won't go there, of course, because the Americans will suddenly realise that they are mad as a box of frogs. You know, there's something about them which is a bit irritating. You could never invite them round for dinner or anything else at all. I was speaking to somebody who, who watched them. In fact, I think, actually, it was Ulrika. She said they were throwing the bathwater out and throwing food around. It's because they're stupid. And quite clearly, their, their parents didn't give them a good slap when they were a little bit younger. Mind you, I'm surprised that nobody's actually done it up until now. So all the papers are covering the bravery of the shark widow... It's the widow of Ian Redmond. I mean, you know, really, just the most awful thing for anybody to happen. The most awful thing for anybody to happen. And uh, that runs on the front of a a lot of the papers today, including uh, the Jessie Wallace disaster wedding. Now turns out that the bloke she was going to marry, depending on which paper you read, is seeing Max Clifford because he wants to sell his story. To be honest with you, who cares? Who cares? Aged old man you know, decides to marry Jessie Wallace. She comes with a lot of history, and you think and you think to yourself, you know, are, are we that interested in what he's got to say? We know what she's like. We know how awful she can be, but who cares? But he, if he gets twenty, thirty thousand pounds, fifty thousand pounds for the story, then he'll probably think he's done really well. The wedding was going to cost three hundred thousand. How you spend £300,000 on a wedding, mind you. Bernie Eccleston spent apparently £5 million, didn't they? But that was different. They had a Philharmonic Orchestra and everything else flown in. She just appeared to have a load of flowers and a load of booze, which seems quite right for a, a Jesse Wallace wedding. 300000 If he actually makes some money, then fair enough. You know, I suppose he'll actually end up doing quite well. So now she's had the wedding flowers delivered to her home, but she wants to know what's happened to the, to the booze. They had loads of booze that was ordered... And they can't 
actually find it. They can't find it at the moment. So she's, she's apparently asking around, has anybody seen the booze? And the answer is, not at the moment. So if the wedding costs 300000 I'm assuming that the booze must account for about 50 grand of that. That's a lot of booze for a wedding. My Uncle Jack, years ago, did a whole wedding on homemade booze. Homemade booze. You know, they actually made everything. He made every single thing. He made the wine, everything. They was all for, everybody went to the pub. It was funny at the time. I don't know why we thought it was funny at the time. It was just the fact I thought he was actually very... He makes his own Christmas cards, or he used to when he was alive, and he would hand-draw his own Christmas cards and send them out. I suppose a way of saving money, although things like that now are so, so cheap. You know, much easier. 17 minutes past five is the time. These are the headlines. A spokesman for Colonel Gaddafi says he's rejected an ultimatum to surrender by the weekend. Rebel fighters say they're getting close to finding the Libyan dictator who fled via underground tunnels under his home last week. The WikiLeaks website, which hosts thousands of secret files, has crashed in a reported cyber attack. It's posted a Twitter message saying it's being targeted. It's now back online. And this summer's set to be the coolest in nearly 20 years, according to the Met Office. The average temperature has been just below 14 degrees. But on the flip side, the summer has been one of the driest in the past four years. So we check on the roads for you. It's Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Well, this time yesterday, it was already very busy with lots... Morning, everybody. Ian Dell with you at seven this morning. Uh, paper reviewer is Emily Thornberry, Labour MP for Islington South and Finsbury. And uh, they're going to be talking about uh, gay football players uh, because the German football captain, uh, Philip Lahm, says gay players shouldn't come out if footballers don't want abuse and it's easier for them to keep quiet. However... Uh, the communications officer for the European region of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Intersex Association, and there's a mouthful, uh, uh, Nana Mo says football needs gay role models. It's strange to think, actually, and I, I wasn't sure I was going to raise this with uh, Christo earlier on, that football must be the only sport where you don't really have openly gay players. You have, yeah, darts you don't, yeah, but darts is just full of fat fat bloated old men i don't think there's anybody gay in darts i mean you i'm mean, sorry no you don't get gay fat men who want to play darts you really don't i'm sorry they might want to do ballet and sort of you know macrame and stuff like that but they don't but they don't want to do any of that sort of stuff stand there 180 but uh, they might want to kick a football around you know because it's an opportunity of running up and down a nice piece of green pitch and something like that and then sharing a bath with everybody afterwards but i'm but you don't get that do you whereas if, if it was a gay runner or uh, an athlete nobody would give a nobody cares if it was a cyclist, but footballers, for some reason. And I remember on, on one gay footballer, there were lots of shouts from the, from the terrace. And yet I'm sure I've heard of gay uh, football supporters clubs. And there must be, mustn't there, gay, gay football teams, I should imagine, out there. But for some reason, it's, it's the sport that nobody... Because you don't want 50,000 people chanting your name and shouting obscenities at you. So they'll talk about that with uh, Ian Dale later on today. Uh, plus... He's going to be looking at whether a new anti-gang campaign that intends to shock children as young as nine is an appropriate scheme to enter your child's school. Ian will be speaking to the co-founder of the campaign to explain what shock tactics will be used. All of that and more, just after the news at seven o'clock this morning with uh, Ian Dale. So just going back to the, uh, to the papers, and Jessie has her wedding flowers delivered. To be honest with you, wedding flowers are always over the top. They're always very nice but you don't really want them at home unless you've got a huge sideboard to put them on because they're enormous. You look at some of these arrangements being carried in, and to be honest, you know, EastEnders actress, wedding gets... Ca- who cares? Don't be rude about it. Wayne Rooney can't stop looking at himself in the mirror. Well, of course he can't. Of course he can't because he's, he's grown some hair 
on top of his head. So he's actually probably... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he likes... I mean, I think he's, he's sort of... He's, he's vain Rooney, as they've called him today, because he just wants to have a, a little look at, at what he looks like, which is nice. Here's uh, Jesse. £20,000 worth of booze, apparently. Jilted Vince wants to buy... £20,000 worth of booze? Good Lord. It's dreadful, isn't it? It must have been done for a, a magazine, I'm assuming. The father of the innocent uh, reveller stabbed at the Notting Hill Carnival spoke of his anger at the attack. Yeah, we weren't too thrilled about it either, mate. Uh, Rio Andre was having emergency surgery for wounds to his abdomen. The youth seen running away. Strangely enough, pixelated still in the papers. And yet, uh, all over the internet and Sky News were showing his face quite clearly. Um, 16. 16 years old. Not able to be identified. I've got no idea why. There's somebody holding a knife. And they're running towards you. And you're going... But should we not be told who this person is? He apparently uh, is sort of a, a wannabe gangster, in inverted commas. I don't know what that is. But he does all those sort of rap songs. He's 16, but he was holding a knife, and he took it to Carnival. I don't think that's so clever at all. And bad news, or good news, depending on which way you view him, David Hasselhoff has been axed from Britain's Got Talent because he's too boring. Now, we did see David Hasselhoff. I mean, to be honest with you, I think he's just a bit past it. I think he's just... I, I, I don't really think anything more about him. I, w- I wouldn't value his, his judgment on Britain's Got Talent. Stick him on America's Got Talent, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I don't think he understands anything about this country. But I suppose we've helped him out of the doldrums because he didn't have a career in America. It had all gone pear-shaped, so over here he came and then we all went, oh, it's great. They're also not sure about Michael McIntyre because he's a bit nice. Well, what's the matter with nice? Strangely enough, we said to Ulrika Johnson yesterday about nice, and she said, nice doesn't sell. Nobody wants nice. They want people with a bit of edge, people with a bit of, bit of attitude. Nobody wants nice anymore. It's a shame, really. So if it's true that they've axed him, to be honest with you, they must be able to find somebody in this country, can't they? Jeff Stelling's definitely leaving Countdown, though. Definitely leaving Countdown, because uh, they've now said they're going to be looking for somebody else. Uh, and it could be a woman, which is exactly what I said yesterday. I said exactly the same. I mean... You know, it's it's the kind of thing, why shouldn't a woman do it? Carol Vorderman could go back and do it. Or so, no, maybe not. No, she's doing Loose Women, she can't. And I don't know whether you watch those adverts on the television. They generally come out around Christmassy time. And it's for, they're called part works. And it's build this model galleon and get your first parts for free. Normally, you know, it's going to be £6.80 a copy, but for the first week, it's one ninety nine. You get your first bits of, of a gallon. And I often wondered how many people did these to conclusion. How many people buy these part works? Because after a while, you didn't see them in the shops. And then it, it turned out that you, uh, that you could send off to the company and they would continue sending it to you. And I've often thought, it's quite an expensive business. So they've done here... Uh, there's the uh, a model of HMS Hood, which is coming up. It's it's going to cost you to buy all the uh, the part works for this one, eight hundred and thirty pounds to build HMS Hood because the Build a Battleship series will run to a hundred and forty weekly issues, more than two years, more than the two years it took to build the real warship. After a cheap introductory offer, each copy containing a piece of the replica costs five ninety nine, and buying the full set will cost model makers £831.11. It's cheaper to go to a model shop and buy. I never understand why... You know, I'm sure you must be able to go to a model shop and go, have you got HMS Hood? Yes, we have. How much is it? £17.80. Or whatever it costs. £830. 
I've seen people doing these before. Build, you know, your own Eiffel Tower. Build this, build that, or collect watches. And uh, the first one's only one ninety nine, And then after that, there'll be five ninety nine an issue. Who's got that sort of money to buy part works? Probably some of you listening at the moment, I should imagine. Probably some of you listening at the moment. I just think it's really expensive. I did buy a couple of the watches. Cause, and then you realise that the watches are worth about threepence. They really... It, it wasn't even worth buying the mag... Who cares? I've started saying that a lot, actually. Who cares? It's one of my favourite things. One of my favourite things. Uh, also, the paper today, Kitty Brucknell, apparently has been rushed to hospital. No, me neither. Sorry about that one. Yes, Kitty, Kitty Brucknell apparently is, uh, has been on The X Factor. This is the one who's been everything. You know, she's been a Lady Gaga lookalike. Must be the worst one on the planet. And uh, she's been a somebody else lookalike and all the rest of it. Charlotte Church uh, has been having a bit of a go at Cheryl Cole. She says here, Cheryl has no idea she can't sing. <laughs> Which I think is quite funny and, of course, very accurate. Because what happens is, all these people go into a studio and they go, la, 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 and the auto-tune machine pitches them so that they're perfect. I don't believe the Spice Girls could ever sing collectively as a group. I think that they were auto-tuned on their concerts as well. Because if, if you... I did hear a group on the television the other day, a very well-known group... And they were singing live. Ironically, they were mentioned the other day in the paper as they're going back to have singing lessons because they did a festival and they were so atrociously bad. To be honest with you, you could have put a bunch of cats singing up there and they would have sounded a lot better. Uh, Cheryl has said of Charlotte, she's a nasty piece of work with a fat head. So, in other words, we, we've, got a, we've got a bit of an issue going on here, which I, which I think is quite lovely. I mean, I think they have had this spat before, haven't they? I think it was the same as the... Victoria Beckham spat with um, with Jordan, you know, who let the cat out, or who let the dogs out, and all that kind of stuff, which which actually was, was very, very funny indeed, very funny. There's a, there is a very funny line here. I've got to find it in one of the uh, papers, and it's to do with David Hasselhoff again. I don't intend to uh, just uh, just sort of mention David Hasselhoff very often on this programme this morning. It's just that he has made a couple of things. Prince Harry, after a few sherbets, and he's... God, blimey. This is Jessie Wallace out with her bloke. And um, they both look like they've been dressed, you know, really badly. I don't know where they get these sort of outfits from. Absolutely terrible. Uh, lots of pictures, of course, because they've been released by an agency of Cheryl Cole taking her first film role deadly seriously. And when I say deadly seriously, because it's only a, a little tiny role, she'll have to. She's had full makeup, you know, complete outfit. Whether she speaks, I do not know. Whether she speaks, I do not know. And uh, they've got the firefighter looking on. And this poor sheepdog, Floyd, who was so neglected, his coat weighed 32 pounds, he could barely walk. He was dumped outside an animal shelter. They've had to cut all his nails. They've cut all his fur off. And believe it or not, there is a dog in the middle of it. You've never seen anything like it. It's the most horrendous case of abuse that I've ever seen in my entire life. And we've seen some pretty bad abuse, I'm afraid. Some pretty bad abuse. Uh, more in a moment. It's LBC 97.3. Uh, news time now, because it's 5.30. Morning, everybody. 97.3. It's LBC. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square. Actually, it could be, says Kevin, the milkman, post-Eid, that Leicester Square is, is busy. Could be. I guess I hadn't thought about that, actually. It was, it, there was definitely a load more people on the streets, you know, than there would normally be here. Uh, Sarah says, it's my day off, and I still set the alarm to listen to you. I think so, too. I think so, too. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love this one. Sally Morgan's psychic talk. Here we go. Crackpot Sally comes up with this one. My wife died in January of multiple sclerosis, and I want to know if she's now at peace. I want to know if she's safe and with her father. Sally's reply. 
She's free from all the pain. Well, of course she is. And all the rest of it. And I certainly believe that when we pass, we meet up with our loved ones in spirit and your wife's energy is with her father. You were an amazing carer at your... How she knows this, I've got no idea. I mean, it's just totally made up. She's so grateful to you for all the kindness you showed her through your marriage. You gave her unconditional love and this love will never fade. You can just say anything, can't you, really? I've discovered you can, you can actually say anything, you know. It's... Exactly. She isn't going to say no. It's a specially made letter so that if, 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 if I wrote in, you know, if I was feeling particularly sort of grief stricken and felt the desperate need to write to balmy Sally Morgan, I'm afraid, and I go, my mother passed over so many years ago. Uh, or feeling that, no, that a good one would be Princess Diana passed over. I'd like to know she's at peace wherever she is. And Sally Morgan, whoever it will have, will then have to write back and go, she is at peace now. She suffered a lot during her life of... You know, just the usual hogwash you can make up about somebody because you know them. Where it's somebody you don't know, you just have to come up with what I call cold reading. Yes, of course she's at peace. Because that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear your wife is screaming in agony and pain up there. So you're going to tell somebody that it's, you know, everything's fine and I believe that she's with the spirit world and all this. I think Sally Morgan doesn't believe any of this old rubbish. I don't believe it at all, I'm afraid. I just think it's amazing that... Uh, that uh, that people sort of write in. I do remember reading actually some somewhere that that you do get people that want to know about this kind of thing, and are more than happy to believe in an afterlife. I think Christo was speaking to somebody the other day who, who, who believes in all kinds of strange, balmy things. Imogen Thomas was out on the town trying to get another footballer. Imogen, stay at home, love. We know that uh, you know it's kind of made your career so far, but you don't want to get a name like that, do you? Really? Or do you? I don't know. Oh, there's a new calendar. It's the new Jeremy Kyle Hunks and Babes calendar. Fans, fans of the TV Chav Fest, hosted by Kyle, 46, can now share a date because they put all the uglies on one calendar all the way through, uh, including um, uh, people who've got their faces completely tattooed, uh, women who've got no teeth and piercings everywhere, people who've got tattoos... I mean, there's just... It's, it's the uglies from the... Uh, of the program and they've made it into a into a calendar i can't believe they've made it into a calendar tell me it's tell me it's not true and uh, do you know i seem to have been reading for ages that anton deck's program is going to be on the total i keep thinking it's been run already this is red and black based on the true story of the man who went to vegas and bet everything he took he sold his house he did everything took it over to vegas and put it all on whatever it was red or black and won luckily but of course lots of people go to vegas do the same thing and lose and uh, so that's what they've based the premise of this new show on. I think it's Simon Cowell's show, but Anton Deck. So one will wear a red shirt, one will wear a black shirt with a red tie, and the one in the red shirt will wear it with a black tie as well because the show's called Red and Black, and they've been out filming all over the place. And they've already started... I think most of the shows are filmed and in the can. And then you'll watch it on the television, and there is an opportunity out of the huge audience that somebody could win a million pounds. I think it's, it's as simple as that, based on red or black. Len Goodman has banned Bruno Tonioli from speaking to him. Viewers will see the panellists bickering on screen when Strictly returns, but when the cameras stop rolling, the duo won't be talking to one another. Isn't Bruno Tonioli just an irritant? We love Len. We love Len to pieces. Len is just absolutely marvellous, but unfortunately, uh, Bruno Tonioli is just just an overhyped queen. He's like, ooh, so we're like this, so we know this. But, I mean, it's entertaining to watch, but it does get a bit silly after a while. Names tip to take part. East... Uh, Enders actress Anita Dobson, one show host Alex Jones, Russell Grant, Edwina Curry, Nancy Delusional, Holly Valance, 
Jason Donovan and Robbie Savage are the names which they're bandying around at the moment. Oh, dear. You almost want to lose the will to live, don't you? When you, you see names like that, you think, oh, not Edwina Curry again. She's quite sweet, but not, not really for a programme like that. Uh, here's Esther, front of the, uh, the mail today. And, uh, and that, that story runs inside. Plus, um, the peculiar Sally Burke, who says, wish me luck on being a celebrity. You're not a celebrity, you're a very silly person, go away. The great coupon con, the web offer slammed by the watchdog. I get them every day. I get all sorts of coupons being, not sent physically through the post, but on, on the computer at work. There's always something, you know, would you like this coupon? There's 10% off this meal or 10% off. And as we pointed out the other day... You're not actually going to be going into a restaurant with somebody you love on a date, are you? And at the end of the meal go, ah, we've got a discount coupon here. It's uh, two for one. You can imagine the person on the other side of the table going, you cheap so-and-so. But the good news in the paper, if there is such a thing as good news, and it's it's never very uh, interesting to read out good news, but this is the good news story about Alfie the puppy. You remember that the Parsons and their daughter Ashley, they have a shop and uh, their little puppy was playing outside. Two people were circling around a car park on a, on a scooter. They uh, parked up next to the dog, picked him up, wedged him between the two of them and rode off. They're thieves. And um, the good news was that he's been returned. Why? Because the two thieves sold him for £150 uh, to this couple who recognised him and went, oh, wait a minute, somebody just sold a scissor. I hope they got the car registration number or the registration number of the scooter so that the police can go around and arrest these people. But as dog napping now, as it's known, appears to be taking place all over the country, it's now become a big crime. There are certain sections of the community who will actually go out and and steal dogs because they know that owners will will pay to get them back. So they send out the kids on the little scooters because it's very easy to get away on a little scooter and they steal people's dogs. And so if you've got a dog and you're out, just be careful because it's it's going on and it's quite serious. It's quite serious because dog owners, I mean, they were lucky in this particular instance to have got this puppy back. It was only sold to a couple ten miles away, the couple who wished to remain anonymous. I hope they're going to be helping the police. I hope they're going to be identifying the two people who sold it to them. Where where do they come from? Do do we know that? Can we find out? Jonathan Ross's new chat show starts very soon on ITV. It's got Lewis Hamilton and Sarah Jessica Parker. Tax-exiled Hamilton is no raconteur, and Miss Parker isn't considered a big deal. Perhaps money's a bit tight on the new chat show, if that's the best they can get. He's also dispensed with four puffs and a piano, but there again, I mean, that was good news all round for everybody. Why couldn't they just call them four blokes? I just didn't, didn't see the point of calling them four puffs and a piano. This wasn't, uh, wasn't that good. Benefit fraud still on the rise. There's a surprise. It's so easy. I think there must be people inside the, the benefit offices who must help people. And we've also got days, Britain's dullest days out. Yesterday we were asking for the names of some of the most unusual places. Pratt's Bottom, of course, always figures. Poor soul. Poor Angela and Bob in Pratt's Bottom. It's not their fault that they live there. But they've got Britain's dullest day outs. Uh, one here, there is the Cumberland Pencil Museum in Keswick. That's where you can go and look at pencils. Or failing that... They've got the uh, the British um, Teapot Island, where you can go and look at teapots, which is lovely. And um, and there's another one here. It's uh, a tiny house in Wales, where a woman dresses up, you know, in, in all the, the things, and stands outside of, well, like traditional Welsh clothes. You know, hot pants and no bra. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, just keep thinking about all the Welsh programmes and uh, all those lovely pictures of Charlotte Church. Um, spot the dinosaur, 
Dorset's award-winning Dinosaur Museum prides itself on being the only museum on mainland Britain solely devoted to dinosaurs. Uh, There's one thing missing, though, from the museum. Dinosaur. They don't have any dinosaurs. They have got some bones, but they don't have any dinosaurs. And mainly it's just plastic toys, papier-mâché models and T-Rex sound effects. That would have to be in Dorset, wouldn't it? Because that's the coastline, isn't it, down there, where they find all that that stuff on the Jurassic... On the upside, it does show the film Jurassic Park on a continuous loop, which is... Six ninety nine a ticket. You have, to, you have to go there, actually. It sounds lovely. Uh, what One customer asked for a refund after being around twice in eight minutes. Apparently, TripAdvisor gives it a one-star rating and describes it as tatty. You have to laugh, don't you? Uh, there's another one here, the Bakelite Museum in Wilton, in Somerset, housing one of the UK's largest collections of vintage plastic. <laughs> now, Bakelite's quite expensive. Quite expensive. And uh, there's another one here as well. It's if Stonehenge strikes you as a little too stimulating, how about Stonehenge without the stones? Woodhenge. Woodhenge in Wiltshire was saved for a grateful nation by an amateur archaeologist... It's built as a stone circle made of wood, but the wood has long since gone. All the remains are holes in the ground, which may have had wooden stakes sunk into them. It's one of the highlights of Neolithic Britain, which gives you some idea of what Neolithic Britain had to offer. Holes in the ground. I know, because you've been there, haven't you? She likes these days out. She likes she liked the Dinosaur Museum, too. She was very, very good on that one. And I like the idea of Pluckley in Kent. It's a haunted village. And it's listed as one of the most haunted villages. Apparently, uh, there are said to be 12 or 14 ghosts knocking about the village, including a highwayman, Robert Dubois, a gypsy woman, and a ghostly carriage, the only evidence for which is some people who reported hearing a wheeled vehicle passing along the streets. So they've called it the most haunted village. Lovely, isn't it? It's good. And uh, the smallest uh, dwelling in Britain is in Conway in Wales. can only fit a stove, a tap, a bed and a bedside cabinet. Visitors can't go upstairs in case they bang their heads. And uh, the, the marketers aren't lying about this one. It is basically a very small house, but you have to pay £2.50 to squeeze into it. And that's how they make their money, selling the Britain's smallest house. <laughs> have you had a duller day out, ladies and gentlemen? Do let me know. 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk, because I'd love to know if there is a duller day out. Oh, and you know the, um, James O'Brien was talking about this yesterday, I think he was going to be talking about the gypsy encampment, the travel encampment at Swanley, where they're being faced with eviction. Guess who's jumped on the bandwagon of Save These Lovely People? Vanessa Redgrave has gone down there. Locals are saying, listen, darling, you might know all about acting, but you want to come and live down here. She says, you know, leave these poor, peaceful people alone. And the locals are saying, you're joking, of course, aren't you? And uh, as, as the report finishes up by saying, locals were busy arming themselves with hay bales steeped in petrol. So these peaceful, loving people are not going to go without a fight. But uh, as I've said before, Vanessa, why don't you just butt out, OK? Stay away from something you know nothing about. You don't live down there. They said, I tell you what, if, if you think it's so marvellous, why don't you invite them to come and stay at your house? That would be lovely. And then you could see what goes on. And at the moment, it's not very pleasant, I'm afraid. Because, as you know, we've said before, you get good and bad. But you ask somebody... I mean, you only had to see the bad behaviour of my big fat gypsy wedding to realise. And they've got a picture of this baby dressed up in what can only be described as some joke outfit. I don't... I'm, I, I've, I've never seen a baby dress like it in my life. It really is the oddest thing ever. But I'd love to know this morning the dullest 
tourist attraction that you've ever visited? Where is the most boring place you've ever been? I don't think I've ever been to a boring place. All the places I go to are quite exciting, I think. I used to do a series on country houses around uh, London, and um, and they were all very exciting. I don't remember going to anything boring. I love the idea of a dinosaur museum, there with no dinosaurs, but they've got Jurassic Park on loop. <laughs> I bet there's people listening who've been. I bet there's people listening who go, we went there, we liked it. The ki-. Because kids would like that. Kids wouldn't have to see a dinosaur. They'd just be going for plastic models. So I suppose, in effect, even though TripAdvisor only gave it one star, there is, there is the possibility that somebody listening might think it's a fairly good attraction. I don't know. Quarter to six is the time. These are the headlines you're waking up to. Colonel Gaddafi's spokesman has rejected the Libyan rebels of an ultimatum to surrender by Saturday. Anti-Gaddafi fighters are approaching the colonel's hometown of Sirte from both sides, but there are reports the former dictators fled to a desert stronghold in the south of the country. A 16-year-old boy arrested after a man was stabbed at the Notting Hill Carnival remains in custody. The boy was held in West London yesterday on suspicion of assault. And the WikiLeaks website, which contains thousands of secret cables, has crashed in an apparent cyber-attack. The apparent violation has raised new concerns about the exposure of confidential US embassy sources. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Going to start with the uh, public transport act. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I had to run next door to get some milk for the tea. 11 minutes to uh, 6 is the time. So what's the dullest tourist attraction you've ever visited? If you cast your mind back to when you were a, a younger person, the one thing you didn't want to do was go to the museums. That would be the worst thing. You know, if, uh, my, my dad used to love museums. And so his idea of a good day out was going... Whereas when you were a kid, it's like boring items in cabinets. Dull, dusty, you know, just, just not interesting. Strangely, as you become a bit older, you then take an interest in museums. And I do have lots of really favourite museums that I love in London. I've been there and I've learnt so much. I love the V&A. I love the fact that upstairs at the V&A, they've got the original Thomas Pinder's front of his shop from London from 1600 and something. It used to have glass in it, but the glass has been taken out now. But it's got the original... They, they literally removed a whole house. They removed complete rooms from houses in London, and they've, they've put them back together again. And that I find fascinating. The Imperial War Museum, built on the site of the, the insane place, Bedlam, I think... Uh, or the, the Hospital Bethlehem, wasn't it? And, and that's a fascinating museum. I mean, just amazing museum. The Science Museum. You know, just really, really good place. And the good news is they're free. Natural History Museum. Another good one. And you only appreciate them uh, as you get a bit older. And when you get a bit older, you go there and you like them. But when you're a kid, it's like, oh, not the museums again. And it would always be something... Mind you, my dad used to go up and down Charing Cross Road looking at, at bookshops... He could, he could spend hours in bookshops. It was like Notting Hill Gate all over again. And he'd sort of browse through books and, and you, I said, oh, dull. And yet, when you could become a bit older, it doesn't become as dull. So what's the dullest tourist attraction you visit? What's the dullest thing you've ever done? What did your parents take you out to? I do love that. I had to laugh. You know, you know Hayley Roberts. You don't know Hayley Roberts, do you? Of course you do. Everybody knows Hayley Roberts. Glamour girl, Wales, going out with, with David Hasselhoff. She's now proved to me exactly what she is. She says here she was hugely impressed with the Hoff when she saw him luxuriating in a hot tub. Okay, pretty cool here. Beauty counter advisor Haley, shop girl. 
confesses she was unsure of the actor and singer when he asked her out after she auditioned for Britain's Got Talent because of their different ages. That's what, that's what stopped her. She said, oh, no, I'm terribly sorry, D- different age, I'm not sure I can go out with you. And uh, she said, I didn't want to because of the age gap. And then we got chatting and I thought, he had lovely blue eyes, because I'm sure he was really looking at her eyes. I texted him, because they already swapped phone numbers. You know, not exactly difficult, this girl. Uh, and texted him, I can't see you again. She said, but then I felt gutted, I know. And you saw the publicity, didn't you, dear? And you saw the fact that, you know, he's going to be paying for you. And you thought, wait a minute, glamour model from Wales, working on a counter, don't want to do it, going out with David Asseloff, fantastic. I'll do anything. And, um, and so she says, I felt gutted and I thought age shouldn't matter. Next thing I knew, he'd asked me to go to Switzerland. She tells Star magazine. We were in Switzerland in the hot tub and his hair was all wet and I looked at him and thought, wow, you're really hot. That's lovely, isn't it? Isn't that lovely? What a, what a lovely image of some ageing old man and uh, some young Welsh uh, shop girl. Lovely there. I thought, should I go out with him? Should I not? Wait a minute. Publicity? No publicity. Publicity? No publicity. Publicity? Publicity. Or do I go out with a minor? No, let's not bother. I don't want to go out with anybody in Wales. You know, I don't like them at all. David Hasselhoff. Should I go out with them? Should I worry about the age gap? Should I come up with some story that it's really the age gap I'm worrying about? Nobody believes it, do they? We don't believe it at all. Uh, 84850, uk. Um, apparently down in Bristol. Isn't it funny? They just said on the news a minute ago that the it's been the driest year so far. Oh, there's been nothing but rain. They said it was the, dr- the driest in, in years. And I'm thinking, are you sure? I thought it was very wet. I thought we've had nothing but rain. It's been very miserable, hasn't it, of late? Very miserable. If you're just waking up, it's, it's, uh, it's not a bad day today. Not a bad day. I shall tell you that, uh, that the weather from Jim Diamond, mostly dry day, good deal of cloud, but some sunny intervals. The high 18 degrees today, which is roughly the same as yesterday. I did go on a little walk yesterday. I did... I'm still no, no bread, you know. Still no bread, no, no cakes, no biscuits, which is actually not bad. But my friend Graham said to me, he's been away for a couple of weeks to the Côte d'Azur, he said, you've lost weight. I said, well, I don't feel as though I've lost weight. You know, you still have fat days and thin days. And I still, I'm still having sort of minor sort of days. I'm thinking, you know, when does it start going down? When does it start disappearing? Because bread just makes you bloated. He's very anti-bread, of course, very. Pollen forecast, moderate, sorry. Bread is evil, she says next door. It, is e- it must be destroyed. You must not eat bread. Although, if you go to, to foreign countries, sometimes their bread is delicious. And it really... T- they had this bloke on the television the other day. I don't know who he is. He's very well known. And he's got lots of white hair. And he's been doing a tour of Italy. And he talks like this. He talks like a Gino. And he's gone out and he's, and he's very entertaining. And, and I love it when people speak Italian on the television. I think, it's, I think it's great. Anybody who speaks in their own language, I love. And then they have sort of other people with subtitles underneath. And he goes into this, uh, this ice cream shop, 113 flavours. And he has six flavours in one cone. Six flavours in one. It looked, I mean, to me, I'm looking at it thinking, oh, calories, calories, definitely not good. But it looked delicious. And it reminds me that uh, that my friend down in Richmond has got an ice cream shop and they make it there and they do the same. It comes in these metal tins, but whatever flavour he puts into the machine comes out the other end. So you can make anything, Christmas pudding flavour, you can have tomato flavour ice cream if you want, just anything. Delicious. But the strange thing is, the Italians, the only reason I mention it is because we're a bit seasonal. We have ice cream here, but we think it's for the summer. So when it's a hot summer's day, we go ice cream, whereas really you should be going cup of tea, because it calms you down. You don't want to drink 
or eat something that lowers your body temperature very, very quickly. Over in Italy and on the continent, they eat ice cream all year. They think it's quite normal to eat ice cream. And judging by some of the gorgeous flavour, you know, banana and mango, you know, strawberries a little bit passé. But there was a piece on the television the other day of somebody, I think it's June Brown in EastEnders, and she goes out and she's obviously somewhere in holiday, I don't know where it is, but she wants ice cream for breakfast. And she says to the way, he said, what would you like, bacon, eggs? She said, no, no, I'd like a scoop of vanilla and a scoop of strawberry. He said, so you don't want breakfast? She said, no, I want a scoop of strawberry and a scoop of vanilla. Because there's nothing that says you cannot have these items for breakfast. It's only in our own minds, isn't it, that we think that you cannot have... You, you have to have savoury stuff for breakfast, and then you have the sweet stuff a bit later on. It's like, can you drink alcohol for breakfast? Well, depending on what time you go to bed, yes, you might be able to, because it might be the end of your day. I mean, personally, I wouldn't recommend it, but that's only because I'm up at this time of the morning. Tonight is going to remain generally cloudy. Some clear spells. It could turn chilly. Minimum 9 centigrade, and uh, tomorrow... Although cloudy at times, more in the way of sunny spells, allowing it to turn warmer, the winds will remain light throughout. So it's actually not too bad at all. Not too bad. Sandra, very happy birthday for today from Lou. Everybody celebrates. Loads of birthdays to celebrate, aren't there? Loads of birthdays to celebrate. And, um, and one from Lynn, he says, is it warm down there? It's freezing up north. Freezing. See, I don't mind cold weather. My ideal weather would be looking out of the kitchen window to see snow everywhere. That would ki- As long as I was inside and there was a fire and you had lots of tins of soup to keep you happy, I would be, uh, I'd be very happy with that. She says, where's the time gone since Diana died? 14 years. 14 years it is. And we all remember, don't we, exactly, in the same way you remember where you were when Churchill died. You remember that. I remember when he died because we were living in Coningsby on, a, on an REF base. And uh, R.E.F. Coningsby, surprisingly. And I remember coming home, must have been from school or something, and my mum was crying in the kitchen. Well, generally, the only time my mother cried in the kitchen was, was when she was doing onions. And she'd be cutting onions. You don't seem to see that as much now, do you? People cutting onions because you buy a bag of the blooming things. But uh, she was crying over the stone. I said, what's the matter? She said, Churchill's died. And then we watched it on the television. We had a little tiny television. Well, big television, tiny screen. And so people remember, and because Diana was more recent, you remember these things. I just remember the flowers. Flowers, £30 million worth. Uh, Bridget says, coach trip was hilarious yesterday. The trippers had to walk down a catwalk in Paris. The men in high heels. Brendan rolled his trousers up to his knees and showed a fine pair of legs as he paraded along the catwalk. He, he's a natural. She loves anything camp. She's off to Priscilla again tonight, is our Bridget. <laughs> off to Priscilla again. It's unreal. Unreal. It really is. I mean, they, they'll, they'll have to give you a costume from it as a... As a, as a memento, I suppose. You mentioned part work, says Paul. For years, they were only books or magazines. One of the best was an Orbis one called The Movie. Came out in 120 weekly parts and you could send off for the binders. Yes, I used to have a magazine called Knowledge. And that was, that, that was an early version. And when we were away in Hong Kong, my um, auntie and uncle, uh, the ones who lived in Bedfont... Uh, actually got it for me. My brother got loads of pennies in... They'd saved pennies for him. I'd rather have the pennies. And I got the set of knowledge books, which were all bound together. It was something... It was quite wonderful. And you only appreciate it much later. Where they are now, no idea. We probably threw them out ages and ages ago. But he says, I remember one of these was a build your doll's house. Build yourself a doll's house. It ran weekly for over three years and came out at 99p and then 4.99 every week. 
And, and that was, at, I mean, to, to today's prices, you wouldn't get much change at about three and a half grand, would you really? He says, you're right about them coming out late in the year. Historically, they've always published them just after Christmas, as the publishers bank on people having nothing to do with a long break. It's either that or jigsaws, but I have to be honest with you, if ever there was a boring thing to do, a jigsaw would be top of the list. I cannot imagine anybody, and yet they're still as popular now as they were before. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. In light of some of the dull days out, which I've mentioned already to you this morning, I want to know what would be a boring day out for you. Where did your parents take you? Or where have you been recently that was just B-O-R-I-N-G? Do let us know. It's LBC 97.3, the news at six is next. And then Jonathan Levi joins us to go through more of the papers. Morning, everybody. Nine minutes past six. I think it looks very, very dark outside this morning. I'm waiting for it to sort of look a little bit brighter, but Jonathan Levi assures me it's quite nice out there. Well, it was quite nice, but it's quite forbidding coming in this morning. Oh, I thought somehow. so. Darker than usual. Yes. Quite a few people out. Eid. Slightly, apparently. Eid. Eid. Is that what it is? Yes, it's Eid. So all the uh, all the young Asian guys are out driving around the streets in their cars. Some, some naff cars, some quite nice cars. Right. And they rent a lot of cars during this period. So they've had Ramadan. Right. And now they have Eid, which is where you can eat as much as you want, apparently. I could eat as much as I want now. So, but it, it, there's loads of people out there this morning. Yeah, very busy. It's like a, like, a, like daytime. It is, isn't it? It's very strange. People sort of drinking and chatting and all the right. rest of it. Standing around. Standing around, I know. What, what is the purpose of standing around? We don't do... Sta- Perhaps we should start a museum for standing around. A museum of standing around. Yes. People standing on street corners. We were asking people of their dull days out, and apparently uh, Maureen thinks years ago she visited a lawnmower museum. That sounds quite bad. It sounds quite bad. It, it could have been in Blackpool or Southport. Dull, 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 she says. There was a quite a boring amber museum in Poland I went to once. Amber? Just amber. Oh, as in amber the jewel? Uh, yeah, yeah well, although amber, all amber is is old... Um, it's old fossilised tree sap. Yes. It's not even really a proper jewel. Museum devoted to that. Yeah. But there's also things like chocolate museums, aren't there? You can go to a museum of chocolate or museum of... I think there's a museum for everything, puppetry or, you know... I went to the chocolate museum in uh, Bruges. Oh, right. Was that um, nice? Well, it was all right. They gave you a very measly bit of chocolate at the end. Yeah, because they want you to buy chocolate, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They bill it as lots of free chocolate, but actually there's hardly any. Right, you was could a, watch. <laughs> yeah, there was a sort of Belgian guy making chocolate yeah. you could watch for a bit. And then we went to a chip museum, Museum of Chips. That was what, terrible. chips as in fish and chips? Fish and chips, yeah. Chip Belgian museum. chips, the history of the chip. Oh, only in Belgium. That was really bad. Dullest place. In fact, actually just going to Belgium was dull at school. I think one of the worst, most boring places I've ever yes, been, Belgium. Yes, In fact, it, it, was the, it was the worst. You, you know you went to school trips, ladies and gentlemen, and they go, and the school trip is too... Ostend, you go, oh, oh blimey, yeah. is it really? How dull. So we'd all traipse around there. Now I think people are a bit better. Well, in fact, I know that they are better school trips because Nathan went to the battlefields over in France. Oh, that's quite interesting. With the school. And they're also doing Auschwitz as well. Mm. As a, we didn't do anything like that. We didn't nothing educational as far as I could see. No. Belgium was ghastly. I did a terrible... Um, we had to have activities week at school and some people had, you know, very expensive ones. They went to Aviemore or they went... Uh, I went on London walks and rides. It was £6 for the week. <laughs> Amanda went, the school took them to the local Clark Shoe Factory. Clark. They were all given a shoebox containing heels and soles. It was <laughs> thrilling. <laughs> How exciting was that one? Yes, I'm trying to think, actually. But you, but you don't forget them, do you? You can remember going there. Oh, I remember London walks and rides. Yeah. Terrible. Who, who, who did it? You just walked around? It was just a really boring history teacher. Oh, was it? We just walked around from one boring place to the next. 
There is a, a walk in London. I think it takes you to the old operating theatre right. in London, which, which is lovely because it's as it was. Um, and, of course, in the early days of the operating, they didn't have anaesthetics. So they would literally saw your leg off with about 12 people holding you down. Nice. And they gave you a, bo- gave you a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> fat, <laughs> fat lot of compensation that was, I'm afraid. But the floor was just covered in sawdust to soak up the blood, because oh, you can imagine, awful. can't you? But then if you're screaming in agony because you've got gangrene, and they didn't have anaesthetic. That's what they had to do. They Just kind of knocked you out and then cut it off. Terrible. Small wonder people didn't live very long there. But then, as you get older, then, then there are some really fascinating, amazing museums, aren't there? Like the John Soane Museum. that funny one with all the um, with all the pickled uh, brains and that medical museum. Oh yes, yes, that's the one on the Euston Road, isn't yeah, it? There's, yes, there's that one, and, and then the Museum of Childhood. I mean, there are some amazing. Yes, there are I some like incredible. That. I do like that. I mean, the V&A is lovely. Now they've incorporated the the theatre museum into it. Yeah, that is stunning. The V&A. It is. It's got you know, if if you go straight through to the back and then do a left and then go to the end of that and go up, they've got these lovely Victorian rooms from London, which they've dismantled and put put together. Again, and house fronts and shop... It's just amazing. But then the British Museum's incredible. The Rosetta Stone yes, and then all the sphinxes and all the... I mean, it, and it's gorgeous inside, that amazing yes. inside-outside feel, isn't it? Yes, it is. Cafe the cafe's all right, all right, but the best cafe is at the natural, uh, the um, Imperial War Museum. The oh, food is there is stunning. Oh, really? You know, for, for a sort of takeaway place, they do hot food and they do other things because they've realised that if people go to a museum, they want a bit more than a mouldy old sandwich. Yeah. And it's really good. I mean, but apart from the fact that it's a brilliant museum anyway, it's, it's, it's just wonderful. I just like looking at the outside of the Natural History Museum. Yes. It's just gorgeous. Yes, it it's is. Like, it's sort of like the House of Parliament, but sort of nicer and almost. That, that, that's, that's even prettier, isn't it, House of Parliament, because that looks like... Uh, a sort of a fairy tale castle or a cake or something. It's almost impossible to look at the Palace of Westminster House of Parliament. It sort of it looks like it's a like it might be a mirage or like it might be a sort of it's too perfect almost, yeah. isn't it? It's absolutely but stunning. I, I, strange enough, uh, they, her next door they obviously had it in for her because they also went to the local banana packing factory. Banana packing to watch how bananas get packed oh, in boxes. No. Guess what we were all given? A free banana. A, a, another box of shoe heels. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, funny, I haven't eaten banana for ages. Just a bunch of bananas. How dull. Because I think bananas, when they arrive over, are green, aren't they? And they ripen on the way over, I think. So you learnt all of that kind of thing. I went to a carpet Mm. factory once. Brinton's in Kidderminster. I was telling James O'Brien about it, because I used to sell carpets. So as part of your knowledge uh, to impart to the customers, you had to go and watch carpets being made and uh isn't brinton quite an upmarket carpet brand yes absolutely oh god yes yes 100 percent wool yes well in fact the, the, the best is 80 20 so is you it? get the softness of the wool but the nylon gives it the strength oh that's better than 100 percent wool. Uh, yes absolutely 100 percent wool you wouldn't really put it it wouldn't be classed as a heavy domestic carpet okay you, you maybe would, would put that in your bedroom but to be honest with you 80 20 is the mix that most people go for right and then we used to sell an all nylon carpet in the shop i worked at which was for bathrooms and for cheaper bedrooms yeah. that used to be 199 a square yard so i can even 99p a square yard oh, that's pretty good isn't it that was not bad and it came in red blue and some yucky green color we couldn't shift enough of it people looted carpets didn't they the night of the looting yes yes carpets. carpet right well, it's so expensive you see the price of carpeting now it's unbelievable you have to take something away with you uh more of your texts and emails in a moment Six fifteen. news headlines at sam pittis a severely ill woman is going to the high court to try to stop basil and Cam- Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. A great story we, we discovered earlier on. Apart from what's the dullest tourist attraction you've ever visited, so far the best I think we've actually come up with is the Lawnmower Museum, and I think it could be eclipsed in, uh, in a moment. 
And the other one is a retired breast cancer surgeon who's achieved his ambition of becoming the oldest person to swim the English Channel. Roger Allsop set off from Shakespeare Beach in Dover yesterday and swam for 17 hours and 51 minutes to claim a new Guinness World Record. He's 70 and four months old. He beat the current record holder, George Brunstead, who's the uncle of Hollywood star, Matt Damon. So the question I've got for you, what ambition have you achieved later in life? I told the producer what mine was, and um, she thought it was best that I didn't tell you what that was at all, so we sort of, we thought we'd keep that one secret, but, but it has to be what, sorry darling, has to be? Oh yeah, what ambition? What ambitions have you achieved? Doesn't matter whether it's later in life, have you sort of done something, and you've sort of thought, I've achieved that, have you ever done... Well, well I've never swum the channel. It's quite well, some I'm, length. I wouldn't want to swim that. No. I mean, can you imagine getting in and doing, starting no, doing breast, I have a fear breaststroke and of then, water I can't touch the what? bottom of, and if something came from out of the depths, it, I would only have to brush against a jellyfish or a fish swim past my legs. Yeah. That would be enough. <laughs> Send me back to the beach. Or a wasp or something. Oh, anything it, like and that. And you'd be swimming along and yes. there'd be a wasp plate and it would follow you, yeah. as they do, and you wouldn't be able to get away from it, and you'd no. be th- thrashing around. No, Lord, no. We do not know what's in, what, what's in the, in in the, the North deep. Sea. In the deep. There could, be, there could be, you know, strange men from another planet coming up there and dragging you. Oh, no, no. Sharks nothing. and all sorts. Yes. I don't think we get sharks, but I wouldn't risk anything. Could be a piranha fish. Could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah. I've seen all these lobsters under the ocean in vit- parts of it. Or even just think- a bit of driftwood that would sort of knock against you and you'd oh. think it was a shark. Yeah, I mean, just seaweed touching me would be enough to yeah. <laughs> send me in complete... And you'd be about 35 minutes in, exhausted, yeah. with another 16 and a half hours to go. Kevin Murphy, who one of our reporters, Ryan Wren, he, uh, he, he swam the channel on numerous occasions. David Walliams swam yes. the channel. But have you noticed, they're not all thin people. I mean, David Walliams is... You know, yes, chunky. Chunky. And, and Kevin Murphy was chunky as well, so obviously chunky but is then good. But then seals and, um, and, uh, and things like that, and s- is it otters and things. Yeah, they're not thin, are they? Otters. <laughs> but, I mean, things that, penguins aren't thin. No, they're very good at it. Yeah, but they've had yeah. years of practice. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I don't know what, what, what would be left to achieve now. What ambition would you want to do? Without jumping off a really high board. I, I couldn't do a, a bungee jump. No. I absolutely couldn't. I mean, not, not for the sake of probably not wanting to do it. I think just even standing up there would frighten the life out of me. What about jumping out of a plane? No, uh, my dad was, uh, was in the parachute regiment and uh, he, he got his wings, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Even though, because you have to pack your own parachute. Yeah. Because then if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. A girl I knew that jumped out, you know, because you, you get somebody taking you down, don't you, who's above yeah. you. And um, they, were, they, they came down and the parachute went up and they were sailing down. And he said this very corny line, he must say to every girl, welcome to my office. How naff. <laughs> How naff. How naff. You must say it to every single person. <laughs> Museums are OK when I was a child. What was boring were the questionnaires and drawings the teachers would get us to do. I know, you see all the kids yeah. lying on their tummies on the floor <laughs> doing, doing drawings. drawings. And, oh, how boring do that is that? in galleries as well, don't you? Yes. Well, the only you thing that we like going Rubens to... painting or something, you have to copy it in pencil. <laughs> right, yes. And then your pencil... Bro- Excuse me, miss, pencil's broken. But luckily, there's a pencil museum. Mm. You can go to a pencil museum. And Tony says, the British Museum with the mummies that come alive at night. See, I always thought that was grave robbing. <laughs> You've actually dug somebody up and shoved them in a museum so we can look at them. And there are... There is the famous mummy in the British Museum whose orange hair is growing. Really? Well, it's not really, but it, it gives the appearance that it's growing. Mm. It does have orange hair. And that was, that was, I was dragged there under the pretense that this is really interesting because the mummy's still growing hair. Scary, really, the whole mummy thing. Yes. Really? They are fascinating. Fascinating. Fascinating things. Uh, Steve, I've been to the Dinosaur Museum. Lovely. Uh, the Polo Mints Museum in Bath, says Lizzie, was a letdown at £19. 
tell me there's not a polo mint museum. Polo mint museum for £19. I've never even heard of a, a polo mint museum. Have you been to Bath? Oh, Poppet comes near from Bath. She come near Bath, don't you? If you want to check it on the internet, the polo mint museum. I've never even heard. Why would there be a museum devoted to polo mints? But there you go. Uh, Dell says, um, love you, love the show. Yeah, OK. Just hold, hold back a bit on that one. Worst day, Blackpool. Horrible and dirty. I go to Dubai now. Just fab. OK. So there you good. go. Yes, I mean, I, I've been to Blackpool. It is ghastly. Mm. It really is. Brian says, coincidentally, Jedwood rhymes with Deadwood. They are awful. They're just so irritating. Something the matter with them. They're not there. They're not, they're not all right in the head. No, no. they're not right there at all, no. I'm afraid. An airline passenger was caught trying to smuggle three tortoises and seven snakes in his trousers. Oh, yeah. This this guy, this reptile. Reptiles were found in nylon a bags. Trouser snakes. Sewn, in, sewn inside this man's trousers <laughs> as he tried to board a flight from Miami to Brazil. He now faces up to five years in jail for trying to export the exotic pets. Kept them all, all these poor creatures. Mm. Three tortoises and seven snakes down a pair of trouser legs. That was very cruel. I feel queasy already. Not nice, is it? Mm. Karen and Stephen Barnett are going off to Crete. I've not been to today. Crete. No, I've not been to Crete. I don't know what it's like. It sounds lovely. Mm. All, all my lot have gone off to Turkey. That's very nice. Forty That's degrees, time. apparently. Yeah, it is. Oh, apparently, J. J. Louise has said, "What well, Crete is lovely." She's been there. Oh, right. She she said it's lovely. She used to work there, apparently. J. Yeah. Louise, it was lovely. And uh, Lynn says, as a child, I collected a wonderful magazine called The British Empire. Came in thirty parts. Must have cost a bomb, but well worth it. Our school trip, Steve says, Rob was to the Golders Green Telephone Exchange. That's that's really boring. Well, I don't know, I thought I'd find that quite interesting. Well, now you would, but at school, do you think you'd find it interesting age nine? No, no. no. That's the thing. It, it, things change, don't you? As you get older, you find all sorts of things you thought were boring as a kid. Interesting. I, I, I got taken drag racing at Santa Pod some years ago. I thought that was pretty boring. Mm. We all went up in a van. Yeah, you see, but as you get a bit older, you probably think it's quite... All I just thought, it was terribly noisy, and the smell of petrol and fumes was in the air, and we slept in the back of a, of a, a little van. Oh, it was horrible. Hated it at all. We went to the Isle of Wight on our school journey. Oh, we did that too. I like that. I quite like that. And you collected sand on the and, the, and made sand. little coloured sand. Those little things in glass bottles and did layers That's of different right. sand. I had that for years. That really, little sand. Everybody yeah. had one of those on the sideboard. They had that. It looked like a little sort of just yeah, a long tube sort of test thing. tube, like a test thing. tube full or of a slightly sand. wider one. And, and yeah, all the different <laughs> colours. I mean, I'll tell you what always amazes the time, me. doesn't it? I'm driving from here on a Sunday morning. And, and going down and looking at the artists' things. And you do get some artists exhibiting on the, on the railings. Oh, yeah, around Green Hyde Park. Park. Most of it Park. are painted in China, yeah. because you can see the bloke doesn't paint them, because there's about 500 different styles. Yeah. And uh, their, their pa- paintings, they, they, were, they did a feature on it on Channel 4. I wish they'd do it again on this big place in China, where you go there and you buy these cheap pictures right. of ships and everything else, and they put sort of English-sounding names on the bottom. Yeah. And then they flog... You can tell, because they're all in the same cheap frames. But then I always think that... About those people that are drew, drawing portraits of people and sort of, um, mm. and you know, around, and they've got really s- some quite sort of good portraits sometimes of <laughs> celebrities they've clearly never met. You know, there'll be a picture of sort of Brad Pitt and George Clooney or yeah. something. And then, they, and then they sit opposite... Who sits some, there? Some poor tourist sits there. I mean, it's absolutely terrible what they're actually doing. Yes. The pictures they're actually doing. I, I, I did... Ha- i tell you what I had once. We went to... I think it was the Lady Ratlings. Was it the... La- yes, it was the le- lovely Lady Ratlings. And they had... Um, um, oh, I can't remember what she's called now. She cuts your shadow out. She cuts your image out of a piece of card. Oh, really? She, she'll look at you. It's called what? Yeah, it's a profile, but there's a name for these people. And she just goes like that. And I, and I thought that's really good. You can hire her for parties. That's and quite I, good. It's so much better than having face painting. Yeah. I looked ridiculous as a tiger. 
wasn't my sort of thing at all, but she she does this, and it was really lovely. Very happy. Do you remember on Eurovision, last Eurovision, there was that extraordinary woman fiddling about with bits of dust on a sort of on a sort of surface that was projected onto a screen, and she was doing these kind of extraordinary paintings out of dust while this performance was going. Did I dream this? I don't know what you're talking about. I've never even heard... She was doing dust paintings. It was like... Some some listeners will know. It was like dust paintings or sand paintings or something. Right. But there she was doing these extraordinary mm. pictures out of sand that were being projected onto a big yeah. screen while the performance of that particular country, Moldova oh, right. or whatever, was yeah. going on. Oh, how lovely. It just distracted you from the terrible singing. <sighs> Sounded boring, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the thing we, we got in Lan- Lanzagrotti was uh, a man who was on the ground with bits of uh, cardboard. He was doing space pictures with spray paints. Right. And so he had all these spray paints and he would put the can down and then spray round it and then do other bits and pieces. And slowly the picture took took shape and it would take him about five, ten minutes to do one of these pictures. And people were buying them as fast as he was making them. He was on a right little racket but because they were roughly the same. And they looked very clever. But it was just, I think, I think Nathan got one. Well, people sit on the floor, don't they, and talk near Covent Garden stuff and do, like, the sort of Sistine Chapel in chalk. Yes. Oh, I what, have to be honest. What's the point in that? Pavement artists are boring. But They're really the dull people. You can't buy it or anything. No, what you can't buy it. You have to give money to them and then you stand there and then, like Bert in Mary Poppins, the rain comes and washes it all away. Yeah. But if you look at all the pavement artists around the world, they all do exactly the same picture. He will only better do the one picture yeah. and he'll do it every day. We used to have a bloke down here. He couldn't draw for toffee. No. It was absolute rubbish. But he would do this drawing and, and it was the same drawing every day. I wish the man who plays um three blind mice through a traffic cone would stop doing it at the bottom of gerard street (coughs) still there very distracting (laughs) because my office is just near there oh it's very annoying the thing is you can play quite a few tunes on a traffic cone yeah none that spring to mind i'm afraid none that spring to mind at the moment uh juliet has just got back from the land of beautiful ice cream italy but sadly only had time for one visited the cadbury museum in bourneville many years ago which gave samples well that's uh, probably better samples than the chocolate museum yeah. in um because they actually built a whole More village generous. didn't they for the workers they did uh, lovely bourneville. bourneville yes very nice i used place. to love bourneville chocolate because it was my favorite because it's very dark lovely dark chocolate. chocolate it used to be sold as x-rated for adults only oh really and it was supposed to be a bit bit naughty and it's sexy it's got a particular taste hasn't it bourneville you chocolate? still buy it i like yeah you can still buy bourneville. oh right I haven't bought chocolate for age. Well, nothing, nothing like that. I used to look at the uh, Cadbury's fruit and nut, yeah. and think how much chocolate's in it. And it turned out there wasn't much chocolate about in 30 it. Thirty percent. Yes. Okay. Because a friend of mine is addicted to proper chocolate, and she goes and gets I think green and blacks do a proper chocolate. You know, some of it's got sixty percent chocolate in. Seventy percent. You get up to eighty five percent lint chocolate, which is just a little bit too much. It's I think bitter actually. Yes, and it's also a little bit clinging in the mouth but uh, some some people are addicted julietta is already missing the sunshine the heat the beach the sea and the family but she said it is good to be able to hear you again that's what we like to hear thank you very much indeed okay listen uh, i've got some more of your texts and emails i'm looking actually for the ambitions that you've achieved and the dullest tourist attraction you've visited so far we've come up with the polo mint museum we think and we've also come up with um with the lawnmower museum what's the dullest place you've ever been to do tell us we'd love to hear and we'll read those after the news next on lbc 97.3 because the time now is 6 30 morning everybody nice to have your company 26 minutes to seven so we're looking for the most boring place you've ever been to uh or failing that uh what ambitions have you achieved mandy says going to a factory with school that made dart flights 
Oh, boring would that be? Boring, sir. That sounds dull, I'm afraid. Achievement, says David, on the M25, the Inca Trail hike to Machu Picchu. That's quite some some hike, isn't it, I think? Mm. That's quite, I think some celebrities did that one, I'm yeah, sure. On ITV2. That's right. Stephen Croydon said, I started jogging at 53 and ran a marathon at 54. That's very good. That's very good. Could be very careful. Um, and Jan says, I took my first and only GCSE when I was 50 and achieved an A in English. That's very good, too. Very good. Kevin the Milkman says, I've run the London Marathon three times in my 40s, six hours each time. Not a runner, more a stubborn jogger. Well, it's as good as. Impressive to finish it. Yeah, very, very impressive long way, to finish miles. it. Very impressive. Very. Uh, Steve, my worst day out, sitting on the A406, going nowhere. It's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> and Putney says, sorry, Mark says, I hear that Stockholm has a coat hanger museum that's probably very well worth visiting. <laughs> the Stockholm coat hanger museum. That has to be up there with the worst. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Together with a lawnmower museum or anything like that. Yeah. David Beckenham says, uh, Shoreham in Kent, Museum of Recovered World War II Aircraft Engines and Aircraft Structures, uh, Spitfire, Hurricane... Messerschmitt, Heinkel, big landing gear tyres, all excavated from fields, with some with the swastikas still on, open Sunday afternoons only, absolutely brilliant, tiny tea room selling mugs of dishwater. Awful shame. Oh, well, the museum sounds very good. The museum sounds good, actually. Yeah. I'd take her to that. I like the Roald Dahl Museum in um, Great Missenden. Oh, right. That's quite good. Great Missenden's famous for something. Where Roald Dahl lived. Yeah, but it's famous for something else, oh, Great Missenden. It well? It's in Buckinghamshire, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I th- isn't it very old or something? Uh, pretty I, little place. I'll tell you where where's a really lovely day out. If you want to go somewhere different today and you've got a car, um, at Denham in Buckinghamshire. Just, oh, really? That's really pretty because you suddenly, as you drive through, it's where John Mills used to live, that uh, they've used it for filming everything. It's almost like a village back in time. Oh. It's, well, sort of midsummer kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. It's really pretty. Mm. I might go there myself, but I can't actually today. I'm doing something else. Silhouette is the word you're looking for, says Tim in Harrow. This lady cuts out silhouettes. Oh, OK. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, 24 minutes to seven. You've got one? Would you date your double? There's lots of um, pictures date in the Daily double? Express of couples that look like each other and oh, who right. obviously have sort of been attracted to a member of the opposite sex to spend their life with. That actually looks quite a lot like them. Oh. And then they've lined up a load of pictures Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, Johnny Depp and Vanessa Paradis, Sting and Trudy Styler, Manita Dobson and Brian May, and they all look a bit similar to each other in these pictures. They've really? obviously sort of chosen pictures where they look quite similar. Yeah. But people say they look like... People do... Oh, sometimes you see couples and they sort of start to look alike. I often somehow. see couples wearing glasses. He'll, he'll wear glasses and she'll... And I think, are you only attracted to somebody who wears glasses? Yeah, there's that. I quite like that idea. And sometimes you see, especially in sort of American families abroad and things, you see they're all wearing the same clothes. That's a bit peculiar, isn't it? Yeah, but you get that with the tourists here anyways. They all cross the road all wearing the same anorak. Same anorak. Yes. Or or, or literally the same outfits. Yes. Sort of stripy jumpers and sort of tailored shorts. Well, I used to have the same outfits as my brother. Did you? Yeah, we both had, because my mum used to make... But not as well as your mum and dad as well. No, no, no. Yeah, but we used to have the same, same sort of jumpers and things like that. Yeah. And green tracksuit bottoms and Wellingtons. I think that's sort of... That's, sort of that's OK right, as kids, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's OK you as kids. You don't want to do it when you get to be an adult. On There's a bit. lots of couples that look like each other. But then people say people look like they're dogs as well, don't they? Well, people they? get dogs that look a bit like them. Oh, right. <laughs> Same sort of expressions. How peculiar. Yeah. Cathy and Wallington uh, said, talk about the cow escaping from the lorry going to the slaughterhouse, and she read an article by Liz Jones, and she went to um, uh, an abattoir. I'd, I've never heard of that before, actually, what you've said. I'm not going to repeat it, because it's, it certainly doesn't go on in any abattoir that I've ever heard of at all. So I'm, I'm not even going to read it out, because I just don't, don't believe it at all. I really... I don't believe that one at all. Uh, you may want to try the... Uh, the rum factory in old Australia, in a place called 
Bundaberg. I already like the sound of this. The oh, we like the sound of that like completely. Sound of I mean, it, it, it's got rum. I mean, yeah, that, that's good enough for good me. Start. Yeah, well, he said it's boring. Perhaps he doesn't drink. Oh. Perhaps he doesn't drink, you see. Uh, 84850. On the Ivory Coast, you have a picture painted in sand that's inside a bottle, says Eva in Chelsea. A picture inside a bottle. Oh, right. Mm. Picture. I've seen sand pictures. That's yeah. where you put glue onto a picture and then you put coloured sand on the top. And then, like we used to do glitter pictures at Christmas, you know, you, you put glue on. With just me again, still, obviously. And, uh, and, you, and you sort of do something with a glitter pen. Yeah. Okay, get, thank you. Get the glitter and the glue everywhere. Yeah, and it, it's very messy. Clothes, and then for the next ten days, you've got glitter got all over in you. your hair and everything. And you sit, and every time you all move your, your head, eyelids. it's like being in, in a disco ball or something. Yeah. Anyway, it's been confirmed that negotiations are taking place to allow Met Police officers into Libya to pursue the prime suspect in the WPC Yvonne Fletcher murder case. One of them's been shot through the head there, haven't they? I don't know. I don't know. The film director, Michael Winner, who's campaigned for justice for the Fletcher family, has told uh, James Whale, here at 97.3, the upheaval in Libya lessens the chances of British detectives getting in. It's a very iffy situation. I mean, Yvonne was killed 27 years ago. Yep. And for 27 years, Libya has declined to assist at all. Now we're told that the new group, the rebels, will not send back the Lockerbie bomber. So why? Sh- because they're not going to send back their nationals anywhere at all, as far as I can say, except on holidays. And so why would they send back the killers if Yvonne Fletcher? Now we're now told one of those three killers, who, who Scotland Yard wished to put on trial, uh, has been found shot conveniently in Tripoli. Well, I don't know if they have or not. You can't believe a word that comes out of the country. Maybe they shot him so they'd have to send him back and be humiliated. Uh, and where are the other two? It's a very sad matter. I mean, Yvonne's parents, Tim and Queenie, are very close friends. A- and even though they've waited 27 years, closure in the proper sense of the word, which would be a trial in the country where the crime was committed, uh, still seems as far off as ever. Anyone understands that a very famous murder took place, that the people are known to be in Libya, and the country where the murder took place would like them returned. That is not difficult to understand. Michael Winner talking there to uh, James Whale yesterday on 97.3 LBC. Actually, I'm sure that there's a story in the paper today. They think that uh, one of the people involved has, in fact, been killed in Libya. I'll uh, try and find out more on that a little bit later on. I'm sure that uh, you'll be reading that. Later on, I mentioned earlier on about benefit fraud is on the increase, mm. and mainly because of bent people inside benefit offices where they obviously hand the money out because nobody seems to check. You go in there and say, "I've got fourteen children," and they happily send you money, even though you don't have any. And there's a woman here called Christine Green. Um, she was employed by the government department that hands out benefits. She falsely claimed more than eight thousand pounds. Really, she's as bent as the rest of them. She was given fifty hours of community service. I mean, how does that solve the problem? What does that mean? 50 hours of community service. Throw her in prison. Throw her in prison. Ridiculous. Half these people get away £3.3 billion a year on benefit fraud. It's, it's as bad as that. So if you know anybody, shop them. It's becoming a bigger and bigger issue, isn't it, money? Than, than it feels, I mean, the, the front page of the Daily Express, pensions values to fall by 60%. Workers t- told to save double for a comfortable retirement. I mean, mm. people in their 30s and 40s now... Even if they save, if they own their own pension schemes, they're not going to have enough money in retirement. No. Because inflation, if it carries on at the current rate, um, all the money we're saving will be pittance by the time we're, we're retired. Well, that's what a lot of pensioners are discovering now. Yeah. I mean, you see pensioners going around the supermarkets 
And, you know, to be honest, I don't know if anybody won the lottery last night. It was a massive rollover to 86 million, I think. And um, and you look at some people eking out things and going to the pound shop and buying their milk for a pound and stuff like that. It's still... just getting more and more expensive. Absolutely. Aren't they? People aren't getting more money. Yes. In fact, people are getting less and less money over time. Lots of jobs in real terms, wages and, and, and incomes have been going down for years. Yes. Although they, they were saying in the paper today that women, uh, women bosses in their 20s are now paid more than men doing the same job. Women are catching up with men in the workforce. I read this story, it was, but it will still take another 100 years, apparently, before men and women's incomes will be properly matched. Men yeah. are still paid more than women on the whole. What, but um, explain that they... to me, because even at Wimbledon, the, the male winner of Wimbledon gets more than, than the woman. Why, why would that be? Well, there you go. There's a prime example, isn't it? Yeah. Male chief executives of companies, on the whole, seem to be paid more than female chief executives of companies. I don't know why. It doesn't seem right at all, but it seems to be the case. And, but I think that gender inequality in the workplace is evening out, but quite slowly, and it will take another hundred years, apparently, yeah. before it completely evens up. I mean, I, w- I would hate to think that shop workers, you know, men who work in shops and women who work in shops, would be paid different money. Well, on that level, I don't think it is. I think it's they, the they same, is it? The same. Well, I think you could go to a tribunal, couldn't you, if you were if you did exactly the same. Yeah, job I mean, in a I, shop well, I don't, or somebody else. And I don't know. I thought I po- know. probably they, they just get rid of you. You'd be a troublemaker. But people don't talk about. There's a big thing in this country, though, isn't it? People don't talk about what they earn. Mm. We just don't, you know. I mean, I work in a little company now, but I used to work in big companies, working at ITV and at the BBC. You'd never talk. You'd never really talk in big companies. People don't really talk to their colleagues about exactly how much they're on. So, but, so companies are able to exploit that and yes. pay people differently for the similar jobs. If there was a much more open a- attitude yeah. that everybody talked about what they earned, mm. how much they came in on, what they get, then it would all be flushed out. But we're all so sort of secretive as a nation of that exactly. Exactly how much we had. Well, we used to be the same about voting, didn't we? Yeah. So, so what? What do you vote? Ooh, Ooh, saying yeah. would never say. Well, like politi- don't talk about politics or religion. Yes, that sort of. Yes, but you're right about topics. pay. I mean, people don't talk people about don't talk it. About pay. No, how much you get paid? You know. For, 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 different presenters wouldn't talk about how much they get paid per show or different producers wouldn't get paid wouldn't talk about how much they earn and, no. and so on it's because you were never places. sure where you are in the, in the pecking order exactly. you see and that that's the big problem especially it's, it's like people who work on television yeah you know you might find that two two presenters on one program might be paid wildly different amounts well apparently that's what big brother have said they're actually going to do they're actually going to tell people uh, on there how much everybody's earning but if you take shows like i'm a celebrity get me out of here on big brother mm. individuals are going into these places for a similar amount of time undergoing the same immersive experience mm. being filmed and they'll be paid hugely wildly different amounts for exactly the same thing. and is that down to the agent not negotiating the best the best rate for them well it's down to the profile of the star or you know stars very dubious term for yeah. some of the people in the current shows isn't it? yes yeah. Because Sally Burko, for her few days in the house, complete waste of space, was earning, she got £160,000. Which is a huge amount of money, but much less than some of the others. Yes. Yes, I mean, I would think Kerry Katona could be on 300000 Who knows? Okay. Jedward, they were saying a million. I don't think they'd be paid a million. But, no. Uh, but you look at them and you think, you're right, are, are they worth the money? Yeah. And then you think it's an embarrassment, really, isn't it? You see somebody coming out desperately trying to make something of themselves when they've got no talent, like Sally Burko. Yeah. And they were given that much money, and because her, her husband said to her, well, if you want to do charity, why don't you go for a swim? And she said, I don't know anybody who'd give me that much money. I thought, well, you haven't tried, have you? You haven't tried. You just want to do that, that cheap road in by going, I'm a celebrity. And she's not. She's neither interesting nor anything else. She's a foul-mouthed woman who smokes. That's all I can tell you. Drives me mad. Quarter to seven. <laughs> you said line, Sam Pittis. 
The deadline has been reached for hundreds of travellers on an illegal site in Essex to leave or be forcibly evicted by Basildon Council. Colonel Gaddafi's supporters say he rejects an ultimatum to surrender by Saturday and a ceremony is being held in Wooten Bassett to mark the end of military repatriations passing through the town. The FTSE will open after closing up 138 points at 52.68 and... Morning, everybody. Ian Dale is with you just after news at 7 o'clock this morning. Emily Thornbury, Labour MP for Islington South and Finsbury, will be going through the papers. No doubt uh, we'll come up with the story which we just heard on the news. Vanessa Redgrave has uh, joined the battle uh, for Cray's Hill in Essex. Don't evict gentle travellers. Although one, one traveller speaking to the paper said... Uh, you're going to meet violent resistance. We're not going without a fight. It will be bloody and violent. They've started stockpiling petrol, apparently. So, obviously, not as gentle as Vanessa uh, sees. Unfortunately, the, the, the hard and fast rule of this is it's Greenbelt. It should never have been built on in the first place. And what happened about ten years ago, um, another load of 100 people turned up and started building on the green stuff, which they're not supposed to. One, one local resident said, uh, we've suffered for years while the travellers have acted like a law unto themselves and used the legal system to sit tight. Vanessa Felt should mind her own business. Vanessa... Sorry, not Vanessa, Vanessa Felt. Vanessa Redgrave. <laughs> that, although, actually, to be quite honest, I mean, she should mind her own business, too. <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> now you come to mention it. Well, they say, you know, you want to come and live down here as a property developer. He said she's an actress who doesn't live in the real world. She's like all the tree-huggers and left-wingers who come here. If they knew what it was really like, you know, on our side of the fence... So what they've used, dozens of, of legal plots have existed at Cray's Hill, but hundreds more travellers have just spread out there. They're not supposed to be there. It's illegal. Yeah. So and if it's illegal, you're either having a rule and a law for everybody or you're having different rules for people. Yeah. You know, and he said, you know, we've had petty thefts and all sorts of things, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to kick off, I should imagine. Basildon are spending a fortune to get rid of them. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. All I want to know is, do these people pay tax? That's what I want to know. I've only ever asked that question once, and we've never had an answer. You know, they, they seem to deal in a lot of cash, and it always makes me worry when people deal in cash, you know, whether or not they're actually as legal as we would like to think they are. So, I mean, going back to the crazy nutcase twins, Jedward, I mean, they're, they're, the Channel they clearly don't know what to do with them in the house, because... Um, they they're being punished left, right, and centre for being yes. for messing up the kitchen and whatever. They've been they, they were electrocuted. They were they were given electrocutions every time they were Good. they were naughty the other day. <laughs> um, electrodes attached to their to them. Um, now they've been forced to dress as babies. Yes. But unfortunately, they seem to enjoy all their punishments. They love dressing up. They like dressing up. They yeah. are they are like two little five-year-olds who you've given the dressing-up box to. They've got little nappies on, but they've yes. been, unfortunately they've been crawling around the house calling um, Kerry Katona mama. I think I'd go for a DNA test on that one. I'd like to check, actually, just in case. Just in case she is actually. Just in case she is there, mother. <laughs> which which could explain an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. But the trouble is, they are just... They are the silly little show-offs. I think they think it's their show. Amy, even Amy Childs, the only way Essex has had to have a little word with them in her own way. Yes, she's, she, um, unfortunately, is a bit, a bit dim as well, isn't she? Yeah. Well, I could put somebody interesting on. I've got no idea. You know, it would make, make more sense, wouldn't it? Uh, men play five sets of tennis, women three, says Tony. I don't care. I don't care, there should be parity. It should be the same. Yeah, it should be I'm the same. sure the women wouldn't mind playing more than that. Uh, Eastbourne Pier is the most boring attraction. There you go. Angela says, thought you might tell men's and women's singles winner at Wimbledon now earn the same prize money. I've done so for more than ten years. And, uh, and Dominic the Milky says the same. He says, even though the ladies play three sets instead of five. OK. Uh, Stephen Whitney, repatriation now back at Bryce Norton from tomorrow as a police motorcyclist. I had the... Uh, the privilege of regularly escorting those poor souls to Oxford. 
when they first began arriving back from Iraq and Afghanistan. Back there, hardly anybody turned ahead after a while, and it was heartbreaking. And so uh, Wooten Bassett raised the profile. I'm sure that Oxfordshire will now continue to do the same, and let's hope there are somewhat fewer. So that's good news. That's good news. Uh, the 10th International Charity Classic Car Extravaganza is taking place on the Isle of Wight. Saturday the 17th and Sunday the 18th. It's at Newport Quay on the 17th. And on Sunday the 18th, it's at Ride Esplanade. And this is where they've got a unique, spectacular collection of hand-picked classic cars. And the money raised goes to a couple of very, very good charities. The Earl Mountbatten Hospice in Newport and St Catherine's School in Ventnor, which specialises in teaching children with speech and language difficulties. Uh, Victor Gallucci, who organises it. Uh, it's always very popular, this one. So if you're not doing anything on the 18th, two free family days out. It doesn't cost a penny piece. The 10th International Charity Classic Car Extravaganza on the Isle of Wight. We don't often plug things on the Isle of Wight, but uh, because it's for charity, because it's for two good charities, then uh, that's the place to head to. So free day out. If you're going to be there, Newport Quay on Saturday, 11 till 5.30, and Sunday, 11 to 5.30, on Ride Esplanade. Thank you, Victor, for telling us about that one. OK, also in the, uh, in the papers today... Uh, Esther Ransom talking as she did yesterday about uh, the abuse that the, she Esther suffered. Ransom saying that she was sexually abused as a teenager. Yes, I mean, and I'm, it inspired her to. Help yes, us. well, it's, I'm not sure if it's. If, I mean, I don't know what sexual abuse means. She said that her uncle, when she was 15, grabbed her her breast, and um, and I don't. And she told her mother, and her mother just sort of dismissed <laughs> it. Apparently, right. Uh, which is which is a very difficult thing. But she she spoke about it, and and I'm not sure whether or not it it went on after that. It but, was an inappropriate um, grope, she says. The yes. thing was traumatic. Yes. She said, don't tell on me. Um, Fletcher abuse as a phrase wasn't, wasn't really used at the time. He, he frightened me, disgusted me, gave me nightmares, breaking of boundaries. Her mum didn't really take much notice of her. I don't think people did in those days, no. did they? And then, but it made her want to set up Childline and do everything she's done. Yeah. I mean, it's quite... I don't know, it's a thing to come out and talk about, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, especially at this time of life. Yeah. She's in her 70s now. Yeah. So she's kept it quiet for a long, long time. Time. Uh, by far the dullest museum ever, the Clink Museum in London. Oh, I thought the Clink Museum... Is that like the Clink. I thought the Clink was good. It's on Clink Street, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we thought the Clink... Won. Yeah. Yeah. Like I thought that. that was really good. Really good. Uh, Wimbledon prize money is equal, says David and Katie. Thank you very much indeed. So, but, but the women don't, don't play as many sets, do they? So there you go. Uh, another one hit Colin. He accomplished two things later in life. The first, to go back to university in the 30s to complete his degree, which he's done, and the second was to learn to play the guitar. Well done, you. I wish I could play the guitar, actually. I'd love yeah. to better play the it's guitar. It's one of those things, isn't it, about learning a language. You've got to start early with a musical instrument. Yes. I mean, you don't have to, obviously. It's good to give people But like kids that. used to hate it, like, piano lessons. Piano lessons, recorder ding, lessons. Ding, 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 ding. Very boring. Did you do the recorder? No, I, I did play recorder, yes. Mm. Yes. I had a recorder. I quite like it, actually. Yeah. I quite like it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play it now. No. Not really. <laughs> the Fan Museum in Greenwich is very boring, says Mary. Yes, I think, I think the clue is in the title. Yeah. It's a museum about fans. <laughs> uh, Rodney says the prizes were equalised some years ago. Thank you for that one. It was nice to sort of say something and then get some reaction straight away to it. Uh, 84850. Um, There's been so much news this summer and so much going on. It's quite nice. On page two of the Daily Mirror, it's a really classic summer story. There's a carrot that looks a bit like a child. Yes. As do, do so many carrots nowadays. Yeah. We should, we're now into the season of funny-shaped vegetables. Yeah. Kevin the carrots. Yes. Uh, Steve, why doesn't Vanessa Redgrave take all the travellers back to her place and put them up in her garden if she feels so badly? Perfect. She won't, of course. And everybody's saying the same thing. 
you know, Vanessa sitting in her beautiful home in a lovely leather armchair spouting off about the farm. I suspect if it came to it, she'd be a nimby if they moved in next to her, not in my backyard. And uh, somebody says, I wonder, would she live next door to the travellers? No, she likes, she jumps on a bandwagon, she's a... She's a campaigner, but to be quite honest, she doesn't really know anything about what it's like to live down there because she doesn't live down there. No. So it's the people who live down there who, you know, one minute we've got a green belt to look out on, the next minute they've got caravans all over the place. Kind of makes a mockery of calling themselves travellers. They quite clearly don't. No. Or do anything like that at all. So uh, that seems to be your general thought on that one this morning. And, uh, and that's where we just about leave it, I'm afraid. Prince Harry's newly single. Oh, yes. Having a lot of fun out in the town, mobbed by lots of attractive-looking blonde girls. Everyone loves Prince Harry. The, Can't well, help but love Prince Harry. I, know, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I think we, we do like... William, people say, is a little bit dull. Yeah. But we like Kate. Yeah. And now we sort of look at... We look at Harry and we think he's obviously just a bit of a party boy. He had a great weekend in Croatia. Yeah. With 15 pals. Seemed to be... Out in bars the whole time, having fun. That was it. Good on him. Out it. Well, good for him, actually. If, 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 if that's what he likes doing. And he's, he's also doing, he's doing a charitable event, I think, a little bit later on today, isn't he? So I think he, he does his, his fair share of partying. Yeah. And then he does a his sort of, a lot of good work. Because he's on the television at the moment doing this. Yeah, he's doing this extraordinary trek to the somewhere or other. Yeah, I can't help yeah. it. Because somebody said to me, watch it. So I, I have been watching it. It's just a lot of people getting very cold. <laughs> and I can't help feeling that if he didn't... If, if it wasn't Prince Harry, we wouldn't be shown this on the television. No. It's, a, it's, it's, it's your kind of programme because you're putting somebody on there. Well, it is, and that makes it interesting. But because of that person. Yes. Yeah, the thing in itself, in its own terms, isn't very interesting. I wonder really what he'd like to do in, in sort of later life. I wonder whether or not there is actually sort of something that, you know, they'll find something for him to do yeah. so that he, he will have something to, to aim for. Legacy. Because he, he's never going to be king, is he? I think it's highly unlikely. No. So he's always going to be the party boy. Yeah, he'll entertain us for years. Whereas William, you can't imagine William going out and getting drunk. You just you look at him now and you think, I bet you've probably only been drunk once in your life. And it was probably, like, really awful. <laughs> really just hated it. You know, we had, like, we had, we had two Budweiser's and it was just awful. You know, woke up with this, like, splitting headache. Couldn't remember anything that had gone on. Never again. Shan't be doing that one again. Whereas, you know, William has probably had more days out where he's got no idea the following day, Harry, what what went on, yeah. which makes him more interesting, I suppose, for people. People don't, don't like the boring ones, they like the people with a bit of edge. Jonathan Levi, thank you. Thank you, see you next week. See you next week. Look, the sun's nearly coming out, not, not quite, but, uh, but nearly there. Mr Dale and team with you after the news at seven this morning for The Breakfast Show here on LBC 97.3. Before of that, this morning's business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 138 points of 52.